I want to speak to you this morning about an unchanging God in a changing world. And we need to be more like Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we have another verse of Scripture in the Bible over in Malachi. uh, Chapter 3, verse 6 says, I am the Lord. I change not. Now, if the Lord doesn't change and Jesus doesn't change, well, you know the Holy Ghost doesn't change. We have an unchanging Trinitarian God, triune God. And if He doesn't change, why in the world should we not desire to be more like Jesus and more like God Almighty, godly, more like the Holy Ghost of God, holy, why don't we want to be more unchanging? That's a character of God. In fact, God is immutable. It's the word, look it up, it means unchanging. It's impossible for God to change his mind about anything. In the Bible, many times it says God repented. What it means is he had already declared if they would do this, he would do this. In other words, God said about Nineveh, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. But God had already given declaration, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. So the, the remedy for uh, apostasy, the remedy for getting away from God was repentance. And if they repented, we see that in the times of the judges, they went back into idol worship. But when they called out to God in repentance, he heard them and then he rescued them by sending a judge who was godly and would lead them out of their idolatry back to the God of glory who changes not. And so uh, I get very troubled as a pastor. I think I get more troubled now than I did earlier in my days, when I see so many of God's children making stupid decisions, foolish decisions, they don't pray about anything, they say they pray about something and they've not prayed about it because it brings confusion into the church. Hello? God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If you make a decision... Your decision should not frustrate Pastor Harvey. I'm not God, but it still should not frustrate me. It should not frustrate Pastor Hammonds. It should not frustrate those who are walking closely with the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to just fit right in. I get very distressed when people start doing something secretly and they don't make pas- allow Pastor Hammonds to know what's happening. Or they don't want uh, you, uh, you know, to, to know, that. let Pastor Harvey know that you're doing something. Well, what, uh, have you let God know about it yet? Not that I'm God or Pastor Hammonds is God. But listen, there, is, there should be peace in our hearts when people make the right decision and buy the right vehicle. Hello? When people buy the right house or make a a decision that's a major life-changing decision. Brother Grab, I guess he preached when I was gone, and he said something before he preached. He said, any decision 
that is more than one year in duration is a major decision. I'd never thought about that before. Isn't that what he brought up? I thought that was... He said that to me before he preached it. I, I don't know, or afterward. I think it was before. And I said, well, we need that message. You preach that. While we were up there in, uh, up there in Washington State, I preached this sermon. And he was preaching that sermon. But for months I'd thought about preaching that. Listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is immutable. And he is troubled when you make a stupid decision as well. Although God cannot be troubled. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. He's, he's distressed at your calamity that's going to come in your life because you made a stupid move. Some people go out and buy a vehicle, and I used to say it takes two years to get over decisions. Now it takes five years to pay your vehicle off now. And some people come in, and they buy this brand new vehicle. The only problem is it's not the will of God. So how can I get excited about it? Now when Brother Lights, he bought that diesel truck, I wanted to go see it. I've never had one like that. But I just believed, I mean, he was only a sergeant major. I think a sergeant major who's sensibly careful with his money ought to be able to pay for a big diesel truck like that, you know? With his, he had 25 years in at that time, I think. I think he ought to be able to pay for it unless he's stupid with his money. And I went out and I even enjoyed driving it a couple of times, you know? Not right at the beginning, but later on. And then there's other people who don't have any rank at all and they go out and buy something and they don't pray about it. And I, I tell you, it troubles me because I wonder if they're ever going to get over it. I'm wondering if they're ever going to be able to tithe. Hello? Because they made a stupid move. And they're so worried about their credit rating that they wouldn't take it back. Well, it'd be better off to pay your bills and, and have a poor credit rating. Hello? If you made a big blunder, maybe it'd be better off just make a clean slate and Take your seven to five to seven years to get yourself straightened around. You're in a mess anyhow. You may be being less of a mess if you take all your junk back that you can't pay for. Amen. Well, anyhow, we need to make wise decisions about where you're going to live, about putting in for a, 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 another place of uh, service where you're going to serve. If you, 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 know, you, you need to just pray about everything. God is, listen, you can't frustrate the Godhead. I'm not saying that, but he is concerned about everything we do. In everything by prayer and supplication. And how can we keep from confusion? How can we keep from changing? Don't be a changeable person. Changeable people, they don't help anybody to get stable. Amen? Stability. I was thinking of that verse just yesterday or the day before. Uh, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We're to just keep on doing what God said to do. Now, I'm going to bring out something else in this message. Your first opinion is, generally speaking, the right opinion. Now, there are times when you heard the wrong doctrines at the beginning of your life, and the Lord had to straighten you out and change your thinking. But once you're saved, once you're in Christ, once you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yielded to him completely, saved by his grace, 
Your sins that would damn your soul are gone forever. You're free as a bird let out of a cage. You ought to become unchanging. And the first thing that you hear in the scriptures, the first thing you learn about salvation, generally speaking, is the right thing. Your danger comes when you start reconsidering the wonderful foundational truths that you learned as a baby Christian or a young Christian. When you were a young Christian, you thought it was right to win souls. Sure you did. You, didn't maybe, you maybe thought you could never win one because you wouldn't, didn't have the ability, but you knew that those people were doing the right thing by giving out gospel literature. Right? Going to their neighbor and you heard it preached. Oh, Andrew went first, found find his, his brother Simon and brought him to Jesus. Oh, you thought it was right to go to church. And it is right to go to church. Don't change your mind about that. Hello? Still right to go to church. Still right to pray. Amen? Still right to praise the Lord. Still right to give your tithes and offerings. It's, 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 all, it's all right to give everything to God. Hello? When you first got saved, you thought it was a good idea. But oh, now we're getting to be tightwads later, huh? You know, well, you, yeah, your heart's, all, your heart's not right. You better go back to what you first felt like when you were a baby Christian. And you were a learner. And you were yielded. You didn't know anything. And yet God's Holy Spirit, the great comforter and the great teacher, the great guide, lived inside of you. So he was guiding you in accordance with the word of God, but only as you could intellectually and spiritually take it at that time. Are you with me? But then later you learned about uh, extreme Calvinism. You delved into this, this matter that God, Christ just died for the, the, the ones that, uh, that he died for. He didn't die for everybody. No, he died for all. Hello. You have to learn those hyper-Calvinistic things, and it, it discourages your desire to win souls. And it's not scriptural. I'm saying the foundational truths are very important. So I want to look at a few different verses here, but many different ones. Look with me to Galatians 1, 8, and 9, first of all. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This speaks about salvation. So we'll first deal with that. Stand with me, please, and we'll read these two verses in unison. This is Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 only. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 8 and 9, pausing wherever there's any punctuations, just so that we can somewhat stay together in our reading. This is Galatians, the epistle to the Galatians by the Apostle Paul, yet by the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost himself, giving us these precious words of truth. In Galatians 1, verse 8 and 9, as we read together. But though we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, 
If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Let's pray. Now, Lord, we thank thee that thou art an unchanging God. And dear Lord, thou dost want us to be faithful instead of fickle. We, enough of these fickle Christians. We need to be faithful, steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in thy work. Have thy way now, Lord. Help us to be more like the unchanging Christ. We ask in Jesus' precious, wonderful, glorious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you five different questions, and then we'll come back to the questions later. Do we really want to be like Jesus? For Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. Do we really want to be like our unchanging Jesus, wonderful, unchanging Christ? Do we really want to be like our unchanging God, who is so glorious? Do we really want to be like our all-powerful Holy Ghost of God who is unchanging. Do we want to be like Joseph in the Old Testament? How wonderful a type he was of, of Christ. and How unchanging he was in his compassion for his brothers and his parents. How unchanging he was even in prison. How unchanging he was throughout his life, even when he was put in the pit by his brothers. He left bitterness with the devil, and he had sweetness. He was unchanging. And then I think about Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel went through the lion's den because he was already a man of prayer. And a man of prayer, the answer to be more like Jesus is get nearer to Christ. He's unchanging. We need to get more close to, to God. We need to become more godly and we'll be less changeable. We need to get more involved and engulfed and filled and just completely inundated with the Word of God for this Word is an unchanging Word. The Bible is unchanging. And so the more we get into it and it gets into us, the more we will be drawn closer to the Christ of Calvary and we will be like Christ. The problem with most of us is we don't spend enough time with Christ for Him to change us much. We spend so little time in prayer. We so, spend so little time asking God what He wants us to give in the offering plate. We spend so little time asking God, what can I do in the church? to bring others in, to help others. What can I do? Is it your will for me to sing in the choir? Is it for your will for me to help out on the instruments? Is it your will, dear Lord, for me to go soul winning? They don't even, so many, they don't even consider these things. And so how close are you going to get to the Lord? Do you really want to be close to Jesus? Second one is, How unchanging are you? Or are we? Third question is, how unchanging do you want to be? Do you really want to be? You know what we are? We are exactly what we really want to be. If you want to be steadfast, you can be steadfast. 
I walked up the stairs yesterday and Lacey was up in the prophet's chamber and I heard Lacey praying for his pastor back home, pastor of his church. Something else? He was in prayer. How many times I went up the stairs and who did I find? Chris Beard out there praying somewhere. Met one of their other friends down there who was Brandon, was a friend of theirs. You know, all these fellows are doing pretty well for the Lord. But you know, the tr truth of the matter is they're real serious Christians. Prayer is serious business with these fellows. Reaching the lost for Christ, whether it be the street corner or giving out gospel literature, it's their heartbeat. Why did Lacey come up and want one of these little books? He asked me for one. All it is is scripture. <laughs> good, isn't it? We're going through it the second time, memorizing these Bible verses in our Sunday school. I'll tell you, what, is, what do these fellows talk about when you get around them? Godly people talk about reaching people down in Mexico <laughs> or getting Christians to go on tours so they go. I, I was uh, just yesterday or the day before, I guess it was yesterday, uh, I was there no, it was Friday, Friday evening. And uh, I was down there at the um, Cracker Barrel, one of, your, one of y'all's hangouts. Some of you people like Cracker Barrel. My mother had her, her uh, 85th birthday, and they all took her to Cracker Barrel up there in New York. And I was there, and boy, this big Mennonite family came in there. Just a big Mennonite family. I knew they weren't Amish because... The Amish, they just ride their horses, and I knew they came in cars. They use light bulbs and everything else, and the Amish don't do that. By the way, the Mennonites are, are more spiritual than the Amish crowd, too. I hear the, the Amish are not very spiritual at all, but the Mennonites, at least they're spiritual men. So I met the pastor and asked him a few questions and so forth, but it was just a delight to see their young people. You know what, I asked him about school. He said, we... We, uh, we, go through the, we go through the eighth grade with our, with our kids. And those that really want to excel, they go on to, the, uh, they go on to other uh, heights of training. He said, the only thing is we don't have much of an agrarian society anymore. There's not many farms around. They were from Kansas. But I was so delighted that they were not just coming back from the Alamo. They were coming back from a mission trip to Mexico. I thought, wasn't that good? But I asked him about their teenagers I said, how do your teenagers do? He said, we have a good success rate with our teenagers. I said, that's good. I said, that's really good. And just uh, asked him a few other questions. And just, uh, it's a delight to be around people uh, who want to serve the Lord. Have they, they have their mind on, on going down to Mexico and getting a burden for, their, for, for those that are less fortunate in darkness spiritually. We have an unchanging God. We have an unchanging word of God, the Bible. We have unchanging commands by God. He commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He commanded us, it says, the new commandment I give unto, the, uh, unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have loved one to another. Two greatest commandments in the Bible is love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and might. And the next is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Upon these two hang, hang all the law and the prophets. That's the whole Old Testament. 
the whole law and the prophets. Just love God right and love your neighbor right. I mean, we went out visiting yesterday, and uh, Lacey said, hey, I, I want, uh, what about this, uh, this uh, Korean lady? Let's go over there and see her. I witnessed to her the other day, and so we went over there to her pl- place of workplace, and, and uh, there talked to her, and she was shocked because she had kind of promised that she'd come Wednesday night to the church service. She didn't come. And I told her, I said, you better get saved. He had already told me that she didn't want to repent. Boy, she was against the Roman Catholic Church. She knew everything wrong about the Roman Catholic Church, but she didn't know enough wrong about her own sorry, sinful soul. So I helped her out a little. I don't know how Brother Lacey liked it, but I, look, I, 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 liked, I talk to people. I, I pour the law on them, man. I just dump it right on them. I said, I heard you didn't want to repent. Oh, she thought, oh, did he tell you that? Yes, he told me that. And I said, here's what, repentance plus uh, faith in Jesus Christ equals salvation. So I said, you can have repentance and not faith in Jesus Christ. You still die and go to hell. By the way, I said, you're really against the Catholics, aren't you, in their faith? Oh, yeah. I said, you'll go to hell right where all those Catholics are if you don't get saved. It's a good idea that you, you are knowledgeable about these things, but how will that help you when you stand before God? And then I said, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, but you don't have repentance of your sin, I said, you're still without salvation. Oh, I went over that about five or ten times with her because she said she didn't want to repent. So I said, you're going to burn. I told her all about hell. But wasn't it nice that Lacey had enough concern? He knew somebody we should go back that he had witnessed to that week. Let's go back and see her because she at least listened. And she did. And nobody else was in the place there. It was very good. I said, you need to get down on your knees right here and repent. And you need to kiss the feet of Jesus, I told her. Kiss the son lest he be angry in faith and spiritually I'm talking about. Oh, pray for her. Her name's Susie. I said, that's the same as my sister's name. That's not her her Korean name, it's another name. So we need to send our Korean ladies over there. You just go over and bombard her. If nobody's there, just stay for three hours until she throws you out. Just preach Christ to her until she's so mad she doesn't know what to do. Amen. I told Lacey after I was through, I said, I don't care if she's so upset with me. As long as she gets right with God, I don't care if she hates me right now. Because if she gets saved, she'll think I'm a wonderful fellow. <laughs> Amen. You've got to get some people mad or you don't even have their attention. Oh, I asked her how much Jesus loved her. She said, well, enough to die for me. I said, yes, but that's not what I, went, I wanted. And I asked her three or four times. I said, he loved you very, 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 very much to let him be spit upon. And I went all through all that Christ went through for her. Gave himself for her. The Lord loves us very much. And we're undeserving of it. You know, it says in another part of the scriptures, it says, those that obey not the gospel. It's mentioned in 1 Peter. You know, obedience is the, the thing that pleases God. Obedience to the Lord. Obedience. See, the Lord gave us the command of the way of salvation by grace through faith. And we believed it, 
And then what? Later on, you start adding works if you get around the wrong people. Brother Lacey mentioned another thing. He said, I'm, I, he said, I'm tired of deputation. He said, you know why? The Bible says, uh, learn not the way of the heathens. And he said, a lot of these churches are filled with a bunch of heathens. And he said, they're dead. He said, if you're not careful, you, you learn their ways by being around them too much. He's talking about independent Baptist churches. That's the only kind he goes into. That's a wise fellow that picks out and decides that he doesn't be, need to be on deputation in these churches seeking his support too long because some of these people are not doing the will of God. They're not, they're not on fire for the things of the Lord. By the way, you can start well, but you need to finish well. And we'll only finish well if we obey his commandments. And then... An unchanging standard. We have a God who has an unchanging command, an unchanging God, an unchanging Bible, and an unchanging standard of holiness. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Say, what does that mean? It doesn't mean much in America, but it means much if you look in the book. The Word of God will tell you what holiness means. The Spirit of God who lives within you, the Holy Ghost of God within you. Don't tell me God won't tell you if something's right or wrong. With the Holy Ghost living in every, every, the meanest of believers, the very, the very, you know, the Christian that nobody thinks has got too much smarts at all. You know what I mean? Can't hardly read and write, spiritually speaking. Get what I mean? Biblically speaking. But they have Christ in their hearts. They've trusted Christ. The very lowest one has the greatest teacher, the Holy Ghost living in him. You know what he says in 1 Corinthians? Can't you judge these things? He said, choose out the very lowest and the, and the meekest man, the one that's not, you know, very, I don't know how it's stated exactly, but you pick the very lowest person and let him judge. He'll, he'll, he'll do better than all you smart Alex. So you, you, intel, you intellig, the intelligentsia. Is that what they say? Intelligentsia? You got too much of that out of the church and in the church. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the lowly and the humble. And then, an unchanging way. There's an unchanging way. An unchanging, the will of God will be right for you. The way that God has. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the unchanging way. He knows the way through this valley of tears. The Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow, but follow closely. Follow on to know the Lord. Follow close to the Lord. Listen to Him. Some people, we come with our prayer requests to God, and we're already settled on what we want to do. All we want is His approval. Please approve my plans, Lord. And the Lord has no use in, in approving their plans. So why should I approve their plans? Brother Robert, why should I approve of people's plans if the Spirit of God doesn't give me peace about what somebody's doing? Hmm? Oh, someone said, well, you, you think you know it all, Pastor. Well, if I'm close to Jesus, I ought to know, I ought to know uh, more than the person who's not close to the Lord. 
whether you be in the pulpit or not. Amen? You say, well, he doesn't know the will of God for me. No, but the problem is you don't know the will of God for yourself. Often, I don't know the will of God for myself in a certain issue. We've had this unbelievable debate recently in the last year or two about what we're going to do over here at the Ford about this literature ministry. You know what I've decided to do? I'm not going to do anything about it unless the church wants me to do it. Why should I go to jail for you all? Hello? Unless you think it's worthwhile to do it. Amen, Brother Lightsey? If it's the wish of the church, I'll go to jail tomorrow. I won't even wait till... I mean, I'll go over there and get put in jail tonight. It won't be hard. <laughs> Amen? But we've been talking, 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 talking. What about the alcohol problem? I can't do all that. I can't leave the Word of God and serve tables. So what's your desire? Sure, I should lead the church, but what is your desire about this alcohol problem? Fighting this liberalization of the alcohol for you fellows that were over in Iraq. They're trying to liberalize the alcohol things here. <laughs> After they had it kind of firmed up over there, right? You couldn't even get it, could you, over there? Can you believe it? It really, really it just destroyed, destroyed all the troops, didn't it? Huh? No, if they'd have got alcohol, it might have destroyed the troops all drunk. And then they sure would have got shot by and, and shot up by all these guys even worse than they did, right? Thank the Lord you couldn't get the junk. Your buddy gets so drunk, he'll think, he'll think one, you're one of the Iraqis and blow you out of, the world, out of the water. Out of the world. Huh? Also, what we need to do is bring them back to Fort Hood and liberalize the alcohol consumption and the laws here. That's what they want to do. I can't spend all my time there. So what is your desire? I'm at your disposal. My carcass has been given over to God ever since 1959 when I got saved. Lord, whatever you want to do with me, throw me in jail, throw me in the river, throw me, put me up on the flagpole. I don't care what you do with me. Yesterday I was over there as some troops were coming in. Amen. Giving out New Testaments. But if the Lord wants to be in jail next week, that's all right. But I, I am concerned about our grandkids. I am concerned about you who are serving in the military about whether you have any freedom to give out the word of God. But what? Just, you know, come to the church. Let the church, don't be, Pastor Harvey, don't be doing this all on your own. Hello? Right? Because we're a body. We're a church. We better seek unto wise counsel. And by the way, it, it says a multitude, there's safety in a multitude of counselors. And that has reference not only to the Trinity, of course, but it has reference to those that are in Christ. See, if you seek a brother's advice, then he has Christ living in him. Are, are you with me? And this brother's advice and this sister's advice and, and different one. And you seek that they have Christ in them. And if they're walking with the Lord as they ought to, there should be some 
nuggets of wisdom. And if you would consult enough people, you probably wouldn't have to consult four or five, three or four or five, and, and they'd already tell you you shouldn't make that move. And then you make it anyhow. Hmm? Isn't that the way we are? Well, that pastor's not telling me what to do. Oh, but God will tell you what to do. Hmm? Right? Pastor Ham's not telling me what to do. I'll be out of his school after a while. Hmm? That's not the right attitude. I think Pastor Hammonds loves his kids. <laughs> Amen. I know he does. I bet he's been around here too long. He loves these students, you know. He puts his whole life into these kids. And they say, why well, can't tell me what to do? I know the will of God. You rebel, you. You rebel, you. Who told you that it's the will of God? God didn't come down and speak in your ear. And he probably didn't come down to you when I was preparing to go to Tabernacle Bible College and I'd already gone over to Piedmont Bible College and I'd already was planning on going down to Columbia Bible College because I didn't know what college to go to. And while I was prepared to go to this school, God got me to the right town and he spoke in my ear the very college he wanted me to go to and I told my wife and she about fainted. She said, we can't afford that. It was just like getting saved, almost. It was so clear. The will of God. But sometimes it's not that way. Huh? Hello? Sometimes it's not that way. So the best thing for you to do when you don't know the perfect will of God is, is run ahead of God. No, that's foolish. You'll get out in front of him, you won't know where you're going. Huh? Boom! You bounce off the wall. You should have bounced off the wall earlier. Frustrating everybody else as you're getting to the wall. No, you know what you do when you don't know what the will of God is about buying a, a big thing or making a major decision? You just sit back and say, Lord, I'll pray about it. When I get perfect peace about it, then everybody else around me or most of the believers around me will think it's the will of God. And then I'll do it. And I'll have perfect peace about it. No, oh, you got to hurry it up, don't you? Rush it up, rush it up. Make sure your will is done. And when you're done, it'll be all junked up when you get over there. Hmm? You better wait on God. God's in no hurry. Amen? How many? Oh, I've been so impulsive in my earlier days. I just decided I'd like to die in Fort Hood, Texas. Put me in that hot ground because I'm, I'm going to, a, my soul will already be in a, a more pleasant environment. Amen? It doesn't really matter if you're buried in Forest Lawn in, in New York where they can't even open the graves up. It's, you have to have drills and everything else because it's so hard to, I mean, it's, it freezes about four to six feet deep sometimes, you know. Here it's four to six inches if they even have a freeze. Doesn't really matter once you're gone. It just matters how you lived until you did get put into the grave and go to meet God. David started very well. He went out and he took the head off of Goliath. But David made some mistakes. He forgot the word of God. He numbered the people. 
he looked and lusted and took Bathsheba. And the blood and the sword never left his home. Then I think of his son Solomon. Didn't Solomon start in a great way? Oh, the Lord was with him. The Lord appeared to him at least twice, once in Gibeon. And Solomon, but what did he do? He, he, he didn't end up too well, did he? He had a thousand wives and concubines. And they stole his heart away. David had many wives, but they were all Jewish women. Even the one he stole from Uriah the Hittite was a Jewish woman. But Solomon, he went overboard and he took strange wives. He took foreign wives. They turned his heart away from his God. And then his son, Rehoboam. You remember Rehoboam, the, the divide, just before the divided kingdom. And uh, Solomon, his father, had died. David, his grandfather, had died. And Rehoboam, the older men said, what did the older men tell him? You just talk gently to the people. But what he didn't listen to what he heard the first time, you see. He reconsidered. And the young men that he'd grown up with said, no, you talk roughly to the people. He talked roughly to the people. And they said, to your tents, Israel. And went under Jeroboam and the kingdom divided. It was of the Lord, I know that. But Rehoboam did not listen to the proper counsel. The first counsel was right. The second counsel was not right. What about the man of God in 1 Kings 13? Look at that one verse there, 26. We won't look at all of it. We'll just look at that one verse. 1 Kings, with me. 1 Kings chapter number 13. 1 Kings 13, this is the man of God, the man of God, the man of God, over and over again. He is a man of God. He's a powerful man of God. He's an obedient man of God until he became disobedient and listened to the lying prophet. Verse number 20. What's the verse we want? 26. And when the prophet that brought him back from the way, brought him back from the way, Heard thereof, he said, it is the man of God who was disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion, which hath torn him and slain him according to the word of the Lord, which he spake unto him. Tell you the truth, it really doesn't matter how powerful you are today. It's how powerful will you be tomorrow? Or it doesn't matter. It really, it, it matters, but I'm saying in the long run, in regard to you losing your life and a lion. I was thinking about that. When did a snake ever kill a man of God in the Bible? The snake is the sign of the, the devil. But the lion is a different matter. The lion met him. And took his life. I don't believe it took his soul, but took his life. Well, you know why he lost his life? He was obedient to the word of God, but then he listened to the old prophet and he disobeyed the word of God. You need to go back and get the directions that you got when you were just a young child. Stick with those things. Don't get involved with things too high for you. 
We're all prone to do that. Just take what you have and thank the Lord for it. And now I want you to look at another one I just saw just in the last day or so. Look at chapter 20 of the same book. Chapter 20, we have almost the same thing here about, it's just a, almost the same incident, incident and it's in the, <coughs> in the same book of the Bible. Chapter 35, it says, And a certain man of the sons of the prophets did unto his neighbors in the word of the Lord's uh, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Now look at verse 36, what I really want to get to. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. Ahab, that wicked king, God had given him Ben-Hadad in the Syrians. And he just had spared Ben-Hadad. He made a kind of a, a covenant with this devil who was mocking the God of glory. And instead of killing him like he should have slay, slain him, he made a covenant with him. And then this is given by this man of God about this fact. He said, strike me. By the way, there's another place in the Bible where he tells one of the uh, kings, he said, strike the ground with the, the arrows, you remember? And he does it only three times and he stays. And the prophet said, you should have smote it and smote it and smote it and smote it. Instead, you're only going to defeat them and have victory three times because all you'd, you didn't have enough zeal for the Lord and the word of God. Zeal's still in order with the Lord. The Lord picked a bunch of zealots when he picked the 12. Amen? They were on fire. They were not too extremely highly educated, but they knew how to take orders. They knew how to get excited about the commission. They couldn't glory in their intellect, so they gloried in the fact that when they preached, things happened. <laughs> when they touched people, they were healed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obedience is the very best thing, the little song of the kids says. Obedience is the very best thing. See, it says in the Scriptures to obey is better than sacrifice, and nothing was more important than sacrifice. That's how you got your sins forgiven. Hello? And stayed right with God as the sacrifice. He said to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And the fat was all burned up to God. You better listen to God and we better not change his word for anybody or anything. And just, if you're on the right path, stick with it. Don't change. Don't let you get, don't let people change you. You say, well, they changed this person, but they'll never change me. <laughs> Some much stronger and wiser than you have made those statements. No, you be like Lacey and said, learn not the way of the heathens. Don't be around them. Don't be with them. By being with them all the time. You know what it said about the Lord Jesus? I looked it up last night. 
It says in Mark there, Jesus chose 12 of his disciples that they might be with him. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? He said he chose 12 that they could be with him. He chose us that we could be with him. That we could be close to him. So we could be close to his word, close to his heart, be in church every time the doors are open. Not just when people have to call you and remind you that we're having regular church services. The only time you should be reminded is when we're having special services, like Joe West. Amen? The regular service times, we're always here. Same station, same time, same station. Church, Sunday, Sunday school, then we have church, then we have Sunday night service at 6 o'clock, and then we have Wednesday night service. Every week we have it. Amen. And if you don't have it, you're missing it. That very sermon on Wednesday might be the one you need. It might be more important to you personally for your future than the Sunday morning service. As a believer, especially, you know why? Because often on Sunday morning, we preach more to the lost. Not necessarily this morning, but sometimes we do. We preach more to the lost than we do those that are saved. So the Sunday night message might be more important to you personally. I mean, they're all important. Are you with me? They're all important, I think. Are they important to you? Hello? Huh? Well, then come. Oh, preacher, don't reprove me and rebuke me. I, all I need is love. No, you need rebuking too. <laughs> oh, I just want someone to love me. I have going through such troubles. Why would he say anything like that to me? Because we all need loving rebuke. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. We need to be exhorted to get out and win souls. The happiest people I know are those that are concerned about others. Right? We had a good group going out. So winning. Yesterday. But John Metcalf in our prayer time over here, we had five this morning, praise the Lord. And uh, Brother John in his prayer, because we only had 30 minutes, we even didn't even, we prayed about 20 minutes. But anyhow, uh, Brother John mentioned about are going out before the service tonight in his prayer. Oh, it's good for us to hear other people's prayers. I heard Brother, uh, Brother Strickland pray this morning. And, oh, it was good to hear his prayers. It kind of lifted me. Lifted me. Brother John talking about, oh, Lord, as we go out tonight and go winning souls, Lord, help us see somebody saved. Brother, maybe Brother Henry said that. I don't know. One of you fellows prayed that. I thought it was good. Amen. Some of our lives are changed because we hear other people pray. And they pray not to be heard of men, but to be heard by God. They're not talking to the other people in the prayer room. They're talking to the God of glory. But... Our hearts are lifted up as we pray together. We're encouraged. Saul started very well when he was young. He was hiding behind the stuff, you know. But then when he got, when he got envious of David, when they prayed, oh, 
Saul has slain his thousands, and David, they were singing a chorus, his 10,000, and he began to eye David. He had the evil eye. The evil eye. Oh, he rejoiced when the head of Goliath came out, but he didn't rejoice at the women all praising someone else other than than them. That's a very dangerous thing in the ministry. You cannot listen to the praises of people. Hello, you, Brother John Metcalf. You can't listen to all. Oh, that was such a wonderful sermon, brother. Oh, that touched my heart. Such a wonderful. Well, just praise the Lord. Praise God that he spoke to your heart. Don't praise me. Now praise him. Those very same ones will come and stab you right in the back in about six months to a year. <laughs> Amen, if they're not careful and prayerful. Right? Hello? I'm not talking about literally with a knife now. Come on. Talk about spiritually. Hmm? Because why? We're all prone to fail. You know what is flattery's ruined to many a man of God? Flattery's ruined to many a singer in the church house. In Pilgrim's Progress, one of the ones that you had to watch out for was Mr. Flattery. Flattery. Oh, yes. Oh, you're so good. You do so nice. Oh, you look so nice. Cross him one time. The evil eye. Like Saul. And then what did he do? He didn't obey the command. God said, go and kill all the Amalekites and Agag and kill everything. I don't want any beast living. And he saved the best of the sheep and the oxen. And he saved Agag and didn't kill him. And he comes and he says, I've obeyed the Lord. Partial obedience is no obedience. And the man of God still met the lion because he obeyed to a certain point and then he listened to the false prophet and disobeyed and went back and ate and drank water in that place. God says, don't eat and drink in this place, Bethel, the same place that God had shown himself to Jacob of old with the ladder to heaven. But now it had become a place of curse because they'd set the calf god up there. That's what a lot of our churches are doing. They're putting, they're putting uh, golden calves in there, in their church. That's right. Yeah, that's what they did over here. Right? On God's day, the Super Bowl, the largest Baptist church in all of Central Texas, and they had this big sign, the Super Bowl, at our church on Sunday night. Sure glad, I sure hope they didn't show halftime. But it was on Sunday, and they shouldn't have showed it any time. Those men should have been in church, not out on a football field on God's day. And that's sure popular today. It shows how far, shows how far that, largest, that largest Baptist church in this town has gone from honoring the day of God and bringing football and the cheerleaders right into the house of God. We don't need the entertainment of sinners. We need to be entertained by angels, if anything. And angelic, glorious, and divine scriptures from a divine Christ, an unchanging Christ. Well, we're all through except for my questions. I have to go back to my questions again. Because I'm not all I ought to be, and neither are you, sister. Neither are you, brother. Neither are you, teenager. Neither are you, preteen. What's my questions? Well, 
Do you really want to be like Jesus? Then you're going to have to ask him to help you to be unchanging. Immovable. Immovable. Then you're going to have to say, well, how unchanging do we want to be? Hmm? Why don't you just ask the Lord, change me completely. See, that dear lady, Susie, at her place of employment there, she, she was confronted again with the fact that she didn't want to repent. And she cannot be saved unless she repents. And that's the same with you, Brother Shea, your mother. She's got to repent. And you told her her sin again, probably, or the Lord did. See, she's got to be willing to just forsake all. But boy, as a believer, shouldn't that be easy for us? Lord, I want you to change me and make me as unchangeable as much as possible so I'm just like Jesus. So I'm very godly, like God. And then, how unchanging or do we want to be changed? How unchanging do we want to be? And then will you ask the Lord to make you and I to be more like this unchanging Christ? I mean, you have, we have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. Would you ask the Lord to help you to be unchanging and be more like Jesus, be more like uh, the God, the Trinity, more like God Almighty? God, he can't change at all. So, and he lives in you in the person of the Holy Ghost. So there's, there's, there's hope for you. There's hope for me. You say, oh, I'm such an ups and down. I'm such an up and down Christian. You have the immovable Christ in you. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all our puny little minds could think. He can make us into something that will be a praise to God. Because he's a great God. He's the, he's the almighty, all-powerful Christ. Do we want the first works? Ask the Lord. Repent. Say, Lord, change me and make me change me so that I'm not changeable, but I'm like the unchanging Bible and the unchanging Christ of the Bible. Our Father, our God, we thank Thee that Thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. We think of these examples of these great men in the Bible, dear Lord. We would not want to minimize Solomon or David. Dear God, but we would like to be more like that Joseph of old. More like Daniel, so full of prayer. More like the Lord Jesus, our supreme sacrifice and our supreme example. The unchanging Christ. Lord Jesus, please make me more immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, always in prayer, always in the Bible, always in church, always steadfast and unmovable, not up and down in my emotions either. Dear Lord, may we be, and as our Pastor Hammonds has said so much, that God is not moody. He's immovable and immutable. It's impossible for our God to be moody. He has no mood swings at all. 
And dear God, we pray that we would be more like that. Help us. If there's one without Christ, we pray they be saved.